happened last week. One of the last super chats that happened last week was from Fred. It said thoughts on the MXR Dookie drive. And, uh, I don't have any thoughts. I haven't tried that pedal. Um, Although it's a it's a pedal I'd probably be interested in because I'm a really big Green Day fan. In fact, I'm a really big uh, what I'd call a pop pop punk rock or ha- happy punk rock. I don't know what you call it. I always call it you know pop punk rock. You know, some forty one, Blink one eighty two, Bowling for Soup, Green Day. That's that's a music that although I like all music or most music. I always listen to that stuff. I love this anthem rock of, you know, it's like the guy who doesn't get the girl or the, you know, he's, he's the odd man out the nerd. I love that. Uh, it's so much different than the metal genre of the, you know, uh, you know, how many girls can you have? This was, it was a different vibe music and I always liked it. So I haven't tried it to answer your question. I, uh, but it would be something that I'd want to try for sure. Um, what else do we got going on? <laughs> uh, I see some familiar faces. I see Todd Flowers. I see Matt Harrison. I see Ben Mozzi. I see. Uh, I saw Ben Combs. There's Ben. Uh, the mic is a touch hot. Is that what Ben Combs is saying? It's probably because I'm closer to it than normal. Let me go ahead and I can trim that audio level off. Is that better? Hopefully that's better. Uh, you got to love it. As soon as you get used to uh, how something works, they change it on you. And I've been using the same software and program until, uh, until obviously, YouTube changed it on August 1st. I have a cup of coffee, though. That's nice uh, instead of my normal water. Uh, I got a super chat. It says, any thoughts on the new Sire V10 or V7 bases? Better value than Fender. Yes. Okay. So this is a great uh, question. Uh, what? What? Uh, what is it? Griselda? I'm gonna say it's Griselda. Griselda. The sire bases are, um, and I'm uh, double checking because again, sometimes I, I see something. Hold on, I want to. Is the Marcus Miller base? And as you guys know, I'm a huge Marcus Miller fan. And I was just talking about this the other day. Hold on. I just want to make sure this is what I'm thinking it is. Before I go on. Yep, it's Marcus Miller's basis. Okay, so um, I can help you on this. There's something that you probably want to pay attention to. Uh, any thoughts on the basis? I actually got to pick them up at uh, Tolman Music in Germany. And um, I didn't get to play them thoroughly. I don't know why I didn't do it. They were there. There just wasn't a whole, a whole lot of time in that day I saw them. What I will tell you is I was shocked at how small the necks are. They are the smallest smallest necks I've ever played on any bass ever. And the, uh, the width on the nut was an inch and a half wide, uh, if that. It was the smallest. And so now, knowing that, Griselda, if you go online and look at the measurements and specs on those bases, what didn't probably stick out to you, you'll see now that those are the smallest, narrowest necks I've ever seen. So I'm actually really curious to try one now because of that. Um, although when I saw them at, the, at, the, at Tolman, I picked them up and I was like, I put my... I put my um my fingers around the neck like this, and I actually was able to put my thumb just like this. That's how round the neck was. Is I can make the OK sign with my hand. Um, so the smallest neck I've ever I've ever picked up on a bass in my entire life, or a guitar for that matter. So very cool. I, I would imagine the downfall was if I if I like that bass, it would be a little tricky to play some of my other basses because they are they're much different than that. So that's my thoughts on the bass. If you wanted to. Yeah, if that helps any. Uh, better value. You asked if they're better value than Fender. That I don't know. I mean, you know, the problem with value is value sometimes. I mean, obviously, like, what's the saying, right? It's all the value is in the, you know, the eye of the beholder kind of thing. But value a lot of times is brand, and Fender brand is a lot more powerful than uh, the Sire brand, which is Marcus Miller's new brand. Um, but, uh, and generally speaking, a product without the brand weight has a better dollar to uh, quality value because of the fact that they have to win you over with uh, the quality, right? That's why companies like Harley Bitten, you know, are a little cheaper than everybody else. They they have to give you just a little bit more to win you over because you're not going to give them the dollar over a brand you know and trust already. So are they better value? Probably if you equate quality to price because they're probably priced like Squires or they are priced like Squires and they put value in them like Fender does. But um, uh, but you gotta get, you gotta get familiar with that neck. And that's just something I can't, I can't tell you 
you know, until you try it. I would definitely say you need to try that base. Um, what else? Hold on a second. Uh, I got uh, that was a question, uh, a pen question, so I want to do a non-penned. And then, <laughs> then there's a bunch of more. Hold on. Oh, Hobby Knight says, I just received the Mesa Mark 525. Loving it so far. My Mesa Mark 525 is, uh, I can't, you know, it's behind me. <laughs> it's, if you're looking at me, it's on my right. Sh it's actually on my left shoulder because I'm looking at it backwards. That's it right there. Uh, it's probably one of the, that in my Princeton and my Deluxe Reverb are probably my oldest amps. In other words, I've had them the longest by far um, and it's because I like them so much. So, uh, Mark five or it could be Mark V says, Phil, are you headed to gear street? I am going to gear street. Um, please thank you guys for understanding. I got to take a, a drink every once in a while. To keep the, just keep the pipes wet. Um, yes, gear street. So what's going on? Gear street 42. If you guys uh, are paying attention, hitting Polly from HP 42, you guys familiar with that channel. Uh, he's got a video. I will link it in the index below. If you want to watch the video, I enjoyed it myself watching it, uh, has decided he actually reached out to me. I believe first it's not, uh, like I'm, it's not a brag. It's more of a, just an understanding that it was a discussion that I had with him early, early on. What happened was when he told, here's what happened. He invited me to TGU. Okay. Uh, which is Tolman's event. That's why I went this year. Henning invited me. He said, hey, would you come to Tolman? I like Henning. Henning has always been a good, kind friend to me. Uh, you know, being a YouTuber, uh, I, I hope you guys understand, whenever you have a trade that you do, uh, I've been repairing guitars for a long time. I have, you know, uh, the, you have resources. I have, uh, I've told you this before, if I'm working on an instrument and I hit a, a part where I can't fix it, I have friends I can call on, and I am also that friend that they call on too. And that's what you need to do anything when you do a job for a living, is to have resources. Being a YouTuber, it's nice to have resources. Henning is a very, uh, very put together channel, and he was great resources for me for, uh, for, for when I started out. And so anyways, uh, the point of this was he asked me to go to TGU, and then he explained to me after I agreed and uh, had airfare and everything, that he was not doing the event. And what I couldn't speak about at that time, in fact, somebody, uh, just a good time to point this out, somebody on this live show uh, basically called me a traitor for going to TGU uh, and not uh, even you know, after hitting announced he wasn't going. So, you know, I wasn't a traitor. I went because I already had committed to going. I do what I say I'm going to do. I told them I would go. Hinning dropped out and I didn't feel that it was fair uh, to drop out considering I, I, you know, they were banking on me being there. They had paid for, you know, my, uh, airfare and hotel. They would be out there if I didn't go. And, uh, but I told Henning at that time at when he planned his event, I would definitely go to his event. That is this event that's coming up. Gear street 42 is in September. I will be there along with a bunch of the YouTubers. I won't go into detail of the YouTubers cause I'll link that in this uh, discussion, but what is it? Is it GitCon? Is it TGU? Is it uh, SpiritCon? Is it NAM? Uh, yes. However, this event is slightly different in the idea that it is not sponsored by a company. This is YouTubers coming together. There will be companies there that are invited by the YouTubers, or actually by Henning because he's putting the event together. It's his party. But what it, what it means is that there's no company behind this. It's all going to be funded with uh, just everybody kind of putting their resources together. We are expected to help. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have to do dishes. I'm not kidding. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, you know, it's been explained to us that we will be helping, um, that there won't be staff like at these other events. Uh, and this is a, a grassroots idea. This is an idea. Can we do an event with just the YouTube communities involved um, and invite the companies, but have more control over what's being said and done because the, you know, it's the opposite. It's not a company event that YouTubers are going to. It's a YouTube event that companies are being allowed to go to. So that's what's going on. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll have footage from that. And I'm going to be there. And there's going to be a lot of YouTubers there. I'm excited. Some good friends will be there. And, of course, some new people I haven't met. I'm excited about that. Uh, anyways, what else do we got? Yeah, just watch Henning's vid. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Mike Mooney says, is Ola going to be there? Uh, that's all I care about. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, Ola will not be there. Um, 
No, in fact, this event, so you know, we, uh, to be uh, very blunt and honest, is is this is going to be, to give you a, a scope of the scale of this event, I will be one of the largest channels there. I believe the largest channel will be Glenn Fricker, uh, me, uh, Gear Gods, uh, Henning. Um, and I, I'm saying that so you understand, this is an event that's full of mostly channels that are a lot smaller. This is the event that... Um, that Henning wanted uh, what he he was hoping. It's not the it's not his idea come to fruition. It's the first step, hopefully, to a road that leads to that. Which is when you're wa when you're watching these events and you're watching these YouTubers and you're wondering why is it only these million uh, you know channels? Sorry guys, I thought I turned off my phone. Um, very unprofessional of me. I don't even know how to turn off my phone. Isn't that funny? Um, so anyways, uh, this, this event will have a lot of smaller channels coming to it. And I think that's the plan. The hope is that, the, that these YouTube events will grow to where you, the other communities, the smaller communities, guitar communities can be there and we can all be part of this. Uh, 60 cycle hum will be there by the way, Ryan will be there. He's a large channel, but again, you understand, you know, um, it's different. So there you go. There you go. All right. I don't know if I'm drinking because I want to drink something or because the coffee is really good today. Um, by the way, <laughs> this is the most sidetracked thing I'm going to say, but I bought a new coffee maker. I just got to tell you how amazing this is. I got a coffee maker. I have no idea what brand coffee maker I have. Okay. I just don't. Um, but the reason I'm sharing with you is this coffee maker uh, that I got has a grinder built in it. And I used to grind my coffee and then put it in the coffee maker, but this one has the grinder on top. And I want to tell you the coolest thing I learned. The greatest feeling in the world, <laughs> this is how silly and simple life can be for everyone, is that on the on the uh, coffee maker, you can set the timer, you know, so that it starts making coffee at like 6.30 in the morning, right? But what it does at 6.30 in the morning is it starts grinding the coffee and then starts making it. And what I've learned is that is the best way to wake up in the morning is being asleep, waking up to the smell of grinding coffee and hearing the grinder, even though it's a grinding sound, you know, it means it's make coffee's being made. I'm just want to share it with you. Uh, I think the thing was $89, uh, you know, so I'm just telling you, I, I never thought a coffee maker would be so fun. It, it's been the greatest like two weeks since I've had this coffee maker. I think I've told everybody I know personally all my friends about it so i might as well share it with you guys as well so there's my coffee pitch uh if i could remember the name maybe i could get it in a sponsorship <laughs> endorsing coffee on no year gear who knew such crazy things could happen i i'm sure they would care less all right uh let's find some super chats and uh since i've been doing some non-super chats uh what do you guys got for me you have Randy wants to know, hey, Phil, have you played a fan fretted bass? Are there advantages of playing a fan fretted bass over a, a bass with traditional frets? Um, you know, I played I actually used to own a long time ago uh, and I'm talking maybe 15 years ago. I had a Dingwall bass and Dingwall would, in my mind, was the first fan fret instrument, period, or at least the first mass produced one. Definitely, I can tell you this, when I owned a Dingwall fan fret five string bass, there was no fan fret guitars. I mean, they, when I say none, I mean, you didn't see any. I didn't I didn't know of a single brand uh, back then. Um, and then, you know, uh, uh, Dingwall's uh, factory burnt down. I think it was in Canada. And then it's been built back. And then now they do imports and stuff. But anyways, so yes, I did. And at that time, it was like the whole concept was, you know, longer scale on the low string, shorter scale on the small screens, strings. Um, to answer your question about fan fret instruments in general, um, it's my guitar teacher plays a, a fan fret, uh, guitar. Cause he plays a, a Strandberg eight, seven and six string. He loves them. Uh, I like fan frets and the, uh, on the concept of, I played them and I like the concept. However, a bass is different for me cause I play a 32 inch scale bass. So I'm the opposite. I'm not trying to extend the range. I'm trying to sh shorten it a little bit. I want everything just a little easier. I think a lot of times, Randy, the, the thought is that's the best compromise, right? I'll have smaller strings, uh, smaller fret spacing on my high strings and then wider, uh, you know, our, it's not really strings, our fret spacing, but you understand scale, longer scale and shorter scale, shorter scale in the light strings. Uh, longer scale and the heavy strings. My point to this is it's not something that I, it's just not my thing. You know what I mean? The fan frets things. I've tried it a bunch of times. 
I don't dislike it. I just, I just not committed to it, especially since I kind of feel like, even though I, I do have friends that do both instruments, I kind of, I'm more of a, I do one instrument and not the other. So if I did fan frets, I'd probably only do fan frets. And if I do non fan frets, which is what I do, I do non fan frets. We'll see. You never know. You're always one experience away from changing your mind. <laughs> so you never know. I might, I might do that. Although I will say in all fairness, um, uh, I did a, uh, I'm doing a review for Ibanez. Uh, I asked, I reached out to Ibanez because I really like my AZ guitar. I really like this uh, Firma bass. I'm a huge Ibanez fan. And uh, believe it or not, I got a lot of requests after NAMM show from a lot of companies about reviewing some guitars. And some of them were pretty cool, but a lot of them were like, I don't know, do I really, you know, does the audience really looking for that review? And do I really care? So I reached out to Ibanez and said, you know, I like Ibanez, but I need to get some lower priced review stuff because you know it's not it's not really very interesting to review two thousand dollar guitars all the time because not everybody can relate plus it's a crazy expensive instrument so um they offered to send me a fan fret and i chose a regular fretted instrument so obviously that tells you the preference there too uh Raymond wants to know, will a buffer a tu2 so he's talking about a tuner pedal from boss before an aby help with tone loss i want to record both mic amp and direct line but I don't want to lose the tone on the ABY. Um, well, the e easy part is is that the answer is yes. Will the buffer help before an ABY? Yeah, because it's just it just needs to be in the signal chain. It needs to be in the signal chain. Now there's arguments online, and you'll find them about where the buffer should be at the beginning or the end. Uh, it's it's you know there's different opinions. If uh, if it was me. Um, I would put it, if it was a TU2, if it was me, I would put it on, a, if I was AB, I would put it before the ABY box, like you're doing before an ABY, right before that to split it out, because then whatever's split is going to be buffered and you're not going to have to worry about any loss and highs. Now, keep in mind, I don't really worry about that too much. I did that video about the 18 foot cable, but that video, I hope, so you understand, we talked about this before, was really to explain why a company would pick a randomly weird length. And then I experiment with it because I think that's the only way to be very transparent, honest about a subject is to go, okay, before I shun it or tell you my feelings about whether or not I think it matters or not, I'll experiment with it. And what's what I did in the video, I experiment with it. And like I said, I kind of think I heard it, but I'm not sure. But whether I heard it or not, like I said in the video, it really doesn't, rem it didn't matter to me. So, um, so when it comes to buffer, because I don't really, I don't really, I don't really care about a loss of highs half the time. I'm usually trying to kill my highs in my signal. Um, so, uh, but to answer your question, yeah, putting it before the AB uh, will help uh, with the with the tone loss or losing the highs. Um, the Waco Kid official just did a said, "Hey, I will hope you have a great weekend. I hope you have a great weekend." Um, and a metalhead hippie wants somebody to spank them, and uh, I I just had to read that because. It was so important that he he's, he paid five dollars for me to ask somebody to spank him. Uh, it's not that kind of ch channel metalhead hippie, but hey, you know what? <laughs> you gotta roll. You gotta roll with the days. So, okay. Um, always <laughs> rocking. Two thousand nine wants to know if anyone is reading this, and I I'm letting you know I did read that. Sometimes this is like one of those weird radio station shows late at night where people are just sending in weird stuff. Um, okay, what else? What other questions? Ryan Wilson's got a question. You know, these are my... Uh, it says, what piece of gear would you buy with $250 on a budget? $250 budget. Um, so I'm going to take that as... And a lot of times, because of these questions, I just got to construe them into what I can, you know figure out from it you're asking me what piece of gear would i buy if i had 250 bucks right now uh so that's a good question because um what would i buy if i had 250 dollars right now i actually know the answer because i just did it last night <laughs> i would buy a loaded pick guard i bought a loaded pick guard last night um i uh i bought a i have a charvel and it has a, a wire assembly in it that i really like uh, or a pickup in it. I, I just like the guitar. It has a JB and a 59, very basic. I've talked about this before with the uh, Seymour Duncans, the JB 59 basic setup. And it's just wired in a certain way. And I decided I wanted to drop that into another guitar. Uh, so I ordered online uh, from 920 something. They make loaded pick cards. I bought one before them before. Um, 
I think with tax and shipping and everything, I think I paid about 240 So I think I'd buy a, a pick card loaded with pickups. I'm saying that because I just did it. So it would be weird to say something else. Other than that, now that I got that out of my system, I ordered that. What would I buy? Um, probably nothing right now. I'm trying to think. Nothing. I, I don't know. That that was it was that was in the budget. That's what I wanted. Um. Okay. Here. Okay. Let me. I did it. That was a pen question. Let's go to an unsuper chat question. Music therapy just did a super chat for no reason. Thank you. I appreciate that. Ah, Hobby Knight said $250, question mark, Boss Katana. Yeah, you know what? Boss Katana would be pretty cool. Um, I uh, I had a Boss Katana 100. I don't know if you guys know that. I did the original review. I bought that amp. That wasn't provided to me by Boss. Uh, Boss is one of the, the companies I don't have a relationship with. I've never, any Boss product you've ever seen me review ever on this channel, I bought it. Um, I don't have any Boss relationship. But... Uh, I bought that amp and uh, I did the review and from doing that review, I decided I really wanted the 50. I thought, you know, based on the my needs, I'd like the smaller footprint and uh, I just never bought one. <laughs> I sold the 100 to buy the 50 and then just didn't do it. And I, I don't know why, just haven't done it. But if I ever was to buy a little practice amp like that, it would be the Boss uh, Katana. All right, what else do we got? <laughs> Ryan Wilson said for $250, he'd buy a bucket of picks. That would be horrible. <laughs> uh, Wednesday Store says, what was the most expensive guitar to pass through my, my shop, my old shop? Um, I would probably, I couldn't tell you for sure. I mean, it was probably, there's... It's really weird because there's a bunch of, you know, obviously high-end PRS, like, guitars, like private stocks and stuff. We, we cycled a bunch of those. Um, we did one of the Eddie Van Halen uh, Frankenstein guitars. That was $25,000 retail. We didn't sell it for that. Um, I mean, that was expensive guitar. So probably, if I can remember, um, I, I'd probably say about 18000 or 17000 somewhere on that. I can't tell you this. The funny thing about that store is 13 years I had that store. And I will tell you this. The most expensive guitar I ever sold and the most expensive ticket I ever wrote, which was separate tickets, by the way. Um, the separate ticket being a bunch of guitars that added up to the most expensive. The most expensive guitar, the most expensive guitar I ever sold and the most expensive ticket I ever wrote in 13 years was to the same person who did not play guitar. <laughs> He was decorating, and uh, that's uh, that was uh, you know I'm sure a lot of you guys are moaning right now. Um, you know when you're in business, I mean I hate to say it, it pays the bills, so you're not really complaining. But in your head, you're kind of thinking like, "Wow, I'm selling all these expensive guitars, this massive ticket, and this guy's just gonna decorate." <laughs> but very cool, very cool. That, but there's more to it than that. But that was the that's always makes always sticks in my head is something always funny to think about, you know. Even the and I by the way, neither of those tickets were the Eddie Van Halen guitar I was talking about. And the Eddie Van Halen guitar I was I sold. The guy who bought it could play, but he didn't buy it to play. He bought it for his. Uh, I want to be discreet just in case anyone ever figures out because obviously he's in town and you know has a guitar. But for let's say for his office, it was for his office. It was a work purchase. <laughs> for for basically decoration as well but he could play guitar so think about that that's three of the biggest tickets i can think of in my store those three weren't really uh, intended to play and i and here's what i say about that a lot of times when people talk about expensive guitars they forget expensive guitars are memorabilia i always get a, i always think about something about guitar players that are weirdly strange to me guitar players will get upset if somebody buys a twenty thousand dollar guitar i don't relate to it I understand that, but I don't get upset because I think it's like once you have a friend or meet somebody that has a $25,000 Rolex, I would rather, I mean, to me, it makes more sense to buy a $20,000 guitar than a $25,000 watch. It just does um, because I don't even wear a watch. Um, I have nice watches, but I mean, I, I, before I would, if I was a millionaire, I would not buy a $25,000 watch. I'd buy a, 
$20,000 guitar before I would do that. So, you know, I don't know. I just always think that's funny because it seems like guitar players get really upset with people who buy expensive guitars, but I'm always like, but people buy expensive stuff every day. I don't really understand it, but it doesn't. <laughs> so hold on. See so you guys. Yeah, Timothy wants to know if I'm wearing the hat because I have a bad hair day. No, no, I'll tell you exactly. If you notice on the live shows, I, g I generally always wear the hat. Um, I wear the hat I was talking during the live shows because the old live shows, everybody complained that they were too dark. So I had to change the lighting, right? So I'll show you. I don't care. Um, the uh, lighting puts a reflection on my head. See that? Look at my head's glowing. <laughs> So I have two choices. I can redo the lighting, which is very difficult, <laughs> or I can wear a hat. So I wear that. So I and so you know I could care less if you see a light go off my head. I've been shaving my head since I was 21, right? So actually, probably before that. Let me put it this way: they shaved my head in the army, and it never came back. <laughs> That's a true story. I like I said, I've been with my wife. I've been friends with my wife since we were 13. Trust me, my wife. I I, I could give cra crap about uh, shaving my head. Um, it's actually it's actually uh, it's been cool because it makes like my I take fast showers. Life's pretty easy. It's boring because I have the same hairstyle for 20 something years. <laughs> but uh, and of course, uh, for those of us uh, that are. Uh, bald, or if you shave your head, you you wear the fact that you, you know, the sun's legitly a problem. I mean, you cannot, you know, people will stop me sometimes now because of the channel or, you know, in the parking lot at a grocery store and it's sunny outside. They don't, and I'll be really fast and, I, and I, they don't, I hope they don't take it rude, but I'm seriously like, I mentally, I know how long I can be in the sun before I'm going to burn the top of my head. I burnt the top of my head at TGU, so, you know, really bad, um, uh, really, really bad. So, um, it doesn't take long. There's a reason why you have hair. It's to protect your head. <laughs> okay. So that's why, that's what the hat, there you go. Now you know the mystery in the videos. I wear the hat just cause I feel like it or don't it has nothing to do with the lighting. Um, I haven't been wearing it in the last few videos, but I wore it in the videos before just the hat. Like I said, I explained it before I wear a hat. Usually when I'm outside, I don't wear a hat when I'm inside. And that has, that has nothing to do with anything. Then that's just the military conditioning from that, for that. Um, in fact, I still resist. I don't do it anymore off principle, <laughs> but I still resist the urge when walking into a building to take off my cover. You know what I mean? Talk about the military program and you, there you go. For those of you guys that weren't in the military, uh, there's some things that just, it programs you, you take off your cover when you go inside. Um, so <laughs> Bam Mosey says, wear a wig. Nah, you know what? I don't care. So there uh, okay so let's go back um okay the where are we at we have some uh we have some more comments hold on we have looks like i was missing some okay so madtown brian says hey he bought a used chinese stratocaster strat copy starcaster sorry starcaster strat copy so he's talking about the starcaster that actually is made by fender so he bought a chinese used starcaster strat copy last year uh with a worn pot metal uh pot metal parts 21 fret fretboard was going to set it up found truss rod uh nut is stripped easy out won't grab it fix it donate it or toss it um i mean i wouldn't toss it don't toss it um, you know, if we could learn anything from the Gibson video, uh, whether you're, and I'm not trying to rehash that, but it's just a good, it's a good life lesson. If we learned anything from watching a bulldozer run over guitars and seeing how the emotional effect affects people, you can learn one thing, which is this, whether it's a good practice, common practice or normal practice, I could care less. The reality is this one thing that we get to, we get to enjoy one of the last joy, uh, enjoy joyful things that musicians get to, to take is that our stuff that we love really doesn't, it's not like old technology where you can toss it, it has no use. Guitar will always have a use. So my point to that is, although, uh, you know, it might have a bad neck, it could be saved. So I wouldn't toss it. Uh, you can donate it. I would definitely donate it. Um, 
because it could always be parts for something else. Think about this. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, uh, so, you know, it's, it's not even the neck has to be saved. Sometimes another guitar has another problem and then we can cannibalize a bunch of guitars and put it together. So I would find a place to donate it. Um, or use it as, and this is what I constantly remind people, especially you guys out there, the, the home uh, repair guys and stuff, use those guitars as training. What could you, you know, pull the frets out of the guitar. Here's what I, you know what you could do, Madtown? Talk about fun. You could, if you're interested in this, you can go online and you can order frets from Fender, right? So just type in Fender Strat frets. They're already pre-cut and rolled for you, so you don't have to buy the roller for that. And you can get some fret uh, on Amazon, dirt cheap, get some some fret pullers and pull the old frets, right? Watch a video, heat them up with you know with an iron, pull the old frets and refret that guitar and crown and level it, and learn to use, learn to refret, right? So, and that's why, like I said, donate it and stuff. That's what hopefully what I tell a lot of you. If you, that, when anyone asks me, so you know, and this goes to you, Madtown. When anyone asks me, uh, whether it's publicly or privately, you know, how do I get into repair or how do I get into building guitars? I want to learn to build guitars. You know, what do you think of these schools? I always remind them that it's a great time because of Craigslist and eBay. You know, when you watch these YouTube videos, the cheapest guitar I bought on Amazon for 12 bucks. You know what? There's just reminding you yet again that for $12, for $10 on Reverb, you know, if you put that on Craigslist, anyone who wants to learn to fix guitars, you can have this guitar. Um, you can get that guitar and work on it. You know what I mean? And think about this, and this is what I've said, and Melissa is doing this. For those of you that watched the video where Melissa, uh, I sent her the tools and some videos and she learned to repair guitars. If you guys follow her on Instagram and stuff, Melissa's still fixing guitars for kids. She's done, probably, I, I have to look. I, I, I hope, it's hope it's, it's, I think it's more than a dozen, but at least a dozen guitars. She's fixed a dozen guitars now for kids. Um, and that's what she's doing with her time. That's a skill set. So she's out there making the world better musically for people. Um, and that's what I'm, I'm saying. You can, you could take that stuff and Madtown. Oh, thanks. Madtown says great idea to make a practice repair guitar. Yeah, of course. Like I said, that's how I learned just ripping apart stuff. Paul Reed Smith said he learned the same way. He took something apart and he just reverse engineered it. Um, you know what I mean? It's great. It's a, it's a great thing. Um, so those guitars are opportunities. They should never be tossed. Uh, you know, uh, same thing. Same thing with those uh, Gibson guitars. You know, I was la laughing. People were talking about like, you know, you couldn't give those guitars to kids. And I was like, yeah, of course. But but you can think, right? You can always think. I thought about it going, well, if they were bad guitars, why couldn't they be sent to Roberto Venn School of Luthery in, in Phoenix, Arizona and given to those guys? And couldn't, could, why couldn't Gibson see what those guys could do with those guitars? And maybe they could have turned them in something with projects. You know what I mean? Um, it's called repurposing, you know, as much as we make fun of millennials, older guys making fun of millennials, uh, millennials like the idea of repurposing, you know what I mean? There's a, the idea that, I mean, one of the, the coolest things when you take a barn door and turn it into a guitar, <laughs> so uh, not to be on a, I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but you understand what I'm saying. There's, there's uh so that there's great uses. And as you can see, I'm very passionate about that subject because I really hate seeing things tossed in the, in the landfill that doesn't have to be, we're already going to toss tons of stuff and I'm not here to preach that you can't throw things in the trash. I'm just saying whenever we can take the opportunity not to, let's do it. Nissan 570 LSX says broken guitar, sell it to a dude for decorating. Absolutely. Right. Like I said, it, it could be, there's, that's, what's great about guitars. I think a guitar has a purpose for, a, for a lot of things. Like I said, whether it even be like I said, just decorating, right? Who doesn't hang guitars on their walls? So, all right. Uh, so, uh, Yes. Uh, watch this. Sell. Okay. So sell. I think it's sale. S-A-I-L. Sale Singstrom said, did Pete Townsend repair his guitars? You know, I don't know. I think they did. But let me tell you, this is something I can tell you for sure. Ralph, as you guys, some of you guys know Ralph, one of my buddy who's been on the show a couple times. Uh, Ralph was in a punk rock band for years and they smashed their guitars at the end of the show, every show. And what people didn't know was because they were broke. They did it for the the drama. They were a legitimate punk rock band, right? It was a, it was a crazy punk rock band. They uh they repaired those guitars. They got to smash. I mean, he would smash a guitar a dozen times, 
I, I mean, I'm not saying I'm agreeing or disagreeing with the, the smashing of the guitars, but obviously it wasn't smashing guitars every show. It was He got 12 shows out of a guitar because they would literally fix those guitars. Because the guitars they smashed, they actually played the last song of the night on and then smashed them. So I like that only because, think about that. Um, that tells you how far a guitar can be repaired. I mean, he would smash a guitar. He smashed a guitar 12 times before, at least before it was just unfixable. Because, you know, granted, they were playing punk rock, punk rock, punk rock, punk rock, punk rock. <laughs> so I'm not saying they're, you know, we're playing intricate stuff where the intonation had, you know, be exact and stuff. But you get the idea. So, um, but I don't know. I'd be, I, I don't know. Uh, I know this, though. Uh, you know, back in the day, smashing guitars and stuff, I think that was part of the rock and roll spirit attitude and stuff now. You know what I mean? It, there's a lot of things that they used to do, you know what I mean, that we realize now maybe weren't. It's not the smartest thing, but is rock and roll always about the smartest thing? Isn't it about the rebellious thing? What's more rebellious than smashing a guitar and being crazy? So I'm not, you know, I don't want to be totally uptight about everything. <laughs> All right. Um, what else did we got? <clears throat> Ooh, losing my voice. Grumpy Mike says, hey, Phil, happy Friday. What are your thoughts on the PRS 8515 pickups? Oh, funny. Uh, we talked about this Grumpy Mike last week uh, when um, when uh, uh, Nathan was here. I'm pretty sure it was Nathan here. It was a week prior. 8515s are my favorite PRS pickups. I used to like the 5708s, uh, and then over time, just the 8515s became my favorite pickups, uh, and that's what's in most of my PRSs. I don't think you can buy 8515s. I'm not sure. I got most of mine off of eBay used. So you just find somebody ditching a set and you buy them. But love them. Love them. I would, If they sold them, I would put them in more guitars. But they don't sell them. Uh, but uh, they're not far removed from the JB59 set. It's funny to me. Some of the pickups I like, I like the 8515s. I like the Wolfgang pickups by EVH, and I like the JB and the 59s. And what I've learned is they are different and the same in the idea that they can they can get me to the same place when I plug in, you know, when I have them in my guitars. So a lot of my guitars have those pickups in them. So, And then I just want to say Music Therapy Laz and Thomas uh, Maynard did a – Maynard, sorry, Maynard. Thomas did a super chat for no reason. Or I guess for all the best reasons, they just want to support the channel. Uh, Michael Reinhardt said, hey, Phil, I have an orange Crush 60CR60 solid state amp, and I can't seem to get a good sound out of it with pedals. Are there any tricks to dialing in a good tone with pedals? Yeah, solid state amps and pedals are sometimes not good friends. Um, you know, the, there's sometimes there's a comment that somebody says, you know, why would you put a, a pedal in front of a tube amp? Isn't the tubes, you know, isn't the tube amp supposed to be the tone? And that's true. But sometimes one of the things that makes that combination great is some of the things that suck about pedals, that they're harsh, they're bright, uh, they're kind of sterile. They have a, you know, very square wave kind of transistor kind of feel. Uh, those, those things get corrected by being warmed up in the tube amp. That's usually, um, my experience is that a lot of, a lot of pedals, um, when put in front of solid state amps, don't have that same effect, and they're not that great. Um, the the uh, so that's probably what you're experiencing. So the answer to your question is: um, uh, Is there any tricks to dial in a good tone with pedals? Well, there is. Uh, there's not a trick because you use your ear. You have to use your ear. That's not you know. There's no trick there. Um, you just have to be very open minded and be aware of the fact that to, sometimes when you turn a pedal. A knob on a pedal. And this is true with any amp, anything. I noticed this is a very thing about a very weird thing that happens to us uh, musicians. You turn knobs without listening. You know, and I did this video with Kafir, and a lot of people who watch that video, I'll index it here on how to get good tone. I think a lot of people watched it and learned something. A lot of people watched it and didn't learn something and thought they learned something. Let me tell you what he taught, which I knew, but I needed to be reminded. When you turn the knob, listen. A lot of times you actually stop listening for a second and turn the knob and then play. In other words, you turn the knob, then you listen. Turn the knob and listen. Strum and play. Listen to the, to the you know, don't preconceive in your head that the distortion is good when it's high or low. Just turn the knobs. And when you find a spot you like, then go to the next knob. And it's that easy. Just 
calmly go through the pedal or the uh, thing and find it. So that's the thing I can remind you of is to use your ears. Your ears are going to be, I've said this before, that your ears are your quality assurance department for your tone. That your ears are, they're gonna tell you when the tone is right. Nothing else tells you when the tone's right. Um, not, 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 not any presets, not any suggestions, not YouTubers, nobody. Just when your ears say it's right, it's right. So be open to use your ears. That's the best trick I can give you. And the other thing is be aware that some pedals are actually designed or notor not notorious. They're either designed or infamous for being uh, good with tube amps. So maybe not with a solid state amp. Like a tube screamer has a different effect on a solid state than it does on a tube amp. I'm not saying it's bad either way. It is different. So you might want to look at your pedals and see if you have the right pedals for that kind of amp because the pedals do complement amps sometimes and and uh, you want to make sure you have the right ones. And if you're on a budget and you can't just like shuck off the old pedals and get new ones, then this is when you have the best opportunity of all, which is the New Year gear opportunity, which is this is your time to figure out what you have. Go figure out what will be the right pe pedal for your amp and then figure out how to get what you have to sound just like that put the challenge back in it. That's the fun of it. Um, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Ramon wants you to know that he has the crush 35 and he says it takes pedals beautifully. So, um, so Ramon, maybe when the video goes uh, in or you know, uh, when it's replaying and the comments can be uh, solidified, maybe you could put the pedals you're using and that would help him know what pedals you're using and stuff like that. So that would help again sometimes. They'll let him know how he's doing it. Um, all right, let's do a non-pin question. We're doing okay on time. We have 15 minutes for the out. And... Old Man Zinn says, the pickups in the Zach Myers PRS are spectacular. I love the sound uh, out of that guitar. Yeah, I would say I would say of all the SEs, the Zach Myers is one of my favorite SEs, if not my favorite SE, um, without a doubt. I'd say that and the Paul's guitar are the two best SEs I've ever played. So, I mean, if somebody would say right now, like, what SE would you get? Those are the two SEs, because I'm, I'm pretty upfront about this. I think the SE quality is fantastic. I really like the SEs, but I prefer S2s. I, I have an SE7 string um, that I like, but I other other than that, I play S2s. I prefer the S2s over the core guitars. I mean, you know, um, but that being said, I would say if I was going to pick an SE instead of an S2, it would be the Zach Myers or the Paul's guitar would be the two SEs I would go for, me personally, and use. But... I found my love with the S2s. Okay, let's do, let's go hop back. Wow, I got this new, the OBS software gives me, like Nathan was here last week and he was saying the same thing. It's like, it's three screens now. So when I'm jumping, if it's, if I look like I'm stuttering, it's because I'm looking at one screen and then something changes when I change screens. Uh, 10 Man 20 says, Phil, should I have a guitar set up with 11s? For 11s um well i guess the question is i i'm going to take it as you want to put 11s and should you have a setup <laughs> um the rule i like for setups when it comes to setups usually what we're talking about is adjusting the action and setting the intonation and the general rule i follow when it comes to when to do a setup besides again use your ears because they're your quality assurance department so if your guitar's intonation's out or if something's wrong then you know it's wrong. But regardless of that, um, it's one one gauge. So if you have nines, I think you can go to tens and you don't have a problem. If you have tens, you can go to nines. If you have tens and it's been set up for tens and you go to elevens, I think you're fine. If you have elevens and you're set up for elevens, you go to tens, generally speaking, you're fine. Now, the caveat to that is the lower you have your action, the more likely you're going to have to make some kind of adjustment. Because again, when the action is super low, especially if the neck isn't really thick or very stiff, to, to hold the, the tension without, you know what I mean? Some of those necks move a lot more, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, me personally, this is what I would do. If I had 10, if I had a guitar on the wall, um, any one of the guitars behind me, to be honest with you, and they had tens cause they pretty much all do. Uh, if they had tens and I was to switch to 11s, I would not expect to have to do an intonation adjustment on the bridge. I would probably expect to maybe do a light adjustment to the neck and if I was going from 10s to 11, I would expect to maybe tighten the truss rod a quarter turn to a half turn at best um, to give some more tension on the neck to take the extra amount of tension that the strings are pulling on. 
that is uh, that suggestion. So, um, but don't be afraid. What I don't like, and you know, and everybody's guilty. I even for a short time in my shop, I was guilty of it. You know, people would come in and they say, "Hey, do I need to set up if I'm going tens, elevens?" And it's not because you're in the business of doing the work and it is your income, although that has a way how, you know, you money, you need money. <laughs> At least that's what I've been told. Um, so anyway, so sometimes, you know, you try to make it, you, you tell somebody advice going, hey, this is the best advice for the customer and for me. But uh, be, be honest with you, uh, I, I mostly did it because that's what I was told. Uh, you know, that's what everybody says. You know what I mean? Just, I, I used to do a lot of stuff that everybody says. And over time doing it, I started realizing like, I don't know why everybody said this. This isn't the case. So usually if somebody would say, hey, I'm coming in I'm, and somebody came in the store right now and said, I'm buying some 11s, I'm putting them on a guitar. And I'd say, what's on there? And they said 10s. I'd say, I put them on. And if you notice your intonation's out or if the neck has pulled a little bit, in other words, you have two inch relief, uh, you know, you may need an adjustment or bring it in for a light adjustment. But you shouldn't need a full setup from that. You shouldn't. That's I'm giving you the uh, the norm, not the exception. There's always an exception to everything. Uh, Robert Rammer, sure. Robert Rammer says Phil and or the audience. Hey, a question for you guys. Says thoughts on the Vox uh, four watt hand wired. Uh, you guys can put in the comments what you guys think of that amp. I actually like the Vox uh, four watt hand wired. Uh, well, I like the Vox uh, four, the 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 four watt amp. I didn't. Uh, the hand wired thing seems like a gimmick uh, for me. Um, those amps were made in like Vietnam or China, import wise. Um, a lot of times, hand wired. Hand wired is a, a, an interesting term because it it implies so much but means so little. <laughs> hand wired in my opinion, means nothing. It doesn't, it, it in itself, the term hand-wired means nothing. Let me give you an example. If I take two components that are exactly the same and I have a machine solder one component and I have a person solder the other component to make the identical part and put it in two products, I don't know personally what hand soldering could do to make it so much better. And I understand there's wave soldering and all that stuff. I just don't personally care. Usually, though, when somebody means hand-wired, they're also implying better quality components, right? Um, more time, you know, spent doing the right, you know, getting the right recipe together, making the right thing, doing it like it was before because there's a lot of changes that happen. So, um, so that being said, but I know that sometimes when they say hand-wired, it just means they took the same components and they had a person solder them in there <laughs> instead of the machine and I, I don't know what the benefit that, that is I know what the cost difference is it costs more for a person to do something than a machine um, so there you go that being said I'm not saying that uh, uh, you shouldn't buy it because it's hand wired I'm saying I would I don't personally make the purchase I don't pay more for hand wired if I if it's the same product Marshall does that they're notorious for that they have hand wired heads but they will they flat out when they do the factory tour will show you it's the same components I mean, it's the same. It's the same everything. They just have one person solder it, and then the other one, they have a machine do it. And I'm like, it's a lot more money because it takes time. So time is money. Um, but back to your point, uh, the amp itself is great. The uh, four wire, uh, the four, I liked it. I used to have the head, and um, it was really cool. When I was going through a Vox phase about t 10 years ago, it was really cool. So uh, I'm not in the Vox phase anymore. <laughs> Uh, it's you know i was like a fender guy and then i went to uh voxes for a while and then i went back to fenders and i stick with fenders mostly i play marshalls and and some you know uh, everything i play i always tell everybody the prs amps look, everything behind me is a good example the friedman the prs the uh the hughes and kettner the mesa boogie they're all great amps i use them don't get uh, don't get me wrong fantastic stuff i i wouldn't have bought them if i didn't like them but if ever, anytime anyone asks me if I had to get rid of everything and keep one thing, it always ends up being a Fender amp. I just like Fender amps. Fender amp and one pedal. <laughs> I can get away with that, no problem. Uh, C. Burgess. Hey, Phil, what do you think of Zagger guitars? I have worked on a couple Zagger guitars, and every Zagger guitar I worked on was a almost a blatant it was BS. Um... Uh, if you bought a Zagger guitar, please don't take that as I'm telling you you made a mistake. What I'm telling you is is 
is that uh, the the whole easy play system is it's like what happens when you take <laughs> I don't know how to put it I don't know how to put it in a more delicate way so I just got to be upfront about this he just took a setup and put a fancy oh it's the easy play system which is called a setup it's adjusting the action lowering it so he's like oh what we did is we we took they take import guitars and they spend a few minutes setting them up and then they go they're amazing <laughs> Uh, so you know what it is? And I probably give him, uh, them more grief than they probably deserve because of the fact that they hype that such a normal process as being so special when it's not. So, um, but the, the reason why I said I've worked on a few and this is my issue with working on them was everyone who ever brought me one to work on was frustrated and they shouldn't have been because they're like, oh, I don't understand. It's like, this is what's wrong with the guitar. And it was supposed to be perfect. And I'm like, yeah, they set it up. It just needs more adjustment. You know, it probably wasn't set up for a dry climate. And now it's dried out. And the next, you know, pitch back a little bit. And they're, they're, the expectation on the consumer was that this guitar was going to be perfect. And no, it's just an import guitar with a setup. Is that good? I don't know what they're going for now. If they're reasonably priced, maybe it's worth it. Here's what I can tell you about a Zagger guitar. Whatever they're trying to sell you a Zagger acoustic for, find one like it, because it's made in China, probably. It's not China, it's Korea or Indonesia, whatever. Find a Chinese acoustic, like brand, look at the price, and if it looks like their price is in on par with that, with like a, like an Orangewood guitar is a perfect example. Sample. I, I Playing a Zagger guitar and an Orangewood guitar, I can tell you right now, they're about on par with each other. Um, and Orangewood also does the easy play setup. <laughs> but they just do a setup. And, uh, so I would say this, uh, I, if, uh, if, um, Orangewood, uh, if Orangewood is selling for the same price, I would probably go with the Orangewood or the Zagger wouldn't, you know what I mean? If they're the same, if Zagger's more, go with the Orangewood. And if Orangewood's more, maybe go with the Zagger cause whatever. But I will tell you this, if Zagger was ever sending me a guitar, I would definitely review it, <laughs> give you a, a thing, but I would expect that if they sent it to me, they would give it some extra love. So, Uh, Zunky, uh, Gunky Zip says, by comparison of stuff on the wall of Guitar Center, they're fine. Yeah, like I said, I can't, I'm not saying anything bad about them. I'm just not saying anything good about them. So, they're very okay. Very stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, what else do we have? We have more. <laughs> we have more. Oh, we do one at a time. Well, we're getting close. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, Gitbox Six String says, I run guitar club at a high school and I teach that I teach at. Uh, need some guitars, amps for kids to use and maybe borrow to practice. Uh, what would you buy at 200-ish or less? Um, you know, guitar Gitbox, get, get I will tell you this. Uh, so you're doing a guitar club for students. What I will tell you is that uh, this is the advice I gave Melissa. So I'll, I'll tell you what I told her. And I think it's worked out for her so far. I, um, she was doing the same thing you're doing. She was reaching out, you know, to the community, you know, how can they help? And, uh, which is, she did. And tons of this community, by the way, thank you guys. A lot of you guys have supported Melissa by sending her guitars and all kinds of tools and strings and stuff. But I explained to her what I will explain to you. If you're a teacher and you teach at uh, a school, find the closest music store to that school. Don't just go in there empty handed, go in there with a sheet of paper, type up a requested things that you need right don't ask what they could you know go hey can you sponsor don't do that go in with a plan i need six guitars 10 packs of strings four tuners i need you know 20 picks i need some guitar stands this is what you need put the list of things you need go in there talk to the manager the owner tell them that this is um that if they could supply some things you know, that, you know, a lot of schools, especially here in Arizona, schools cannot advertise. In other words, business schools won't let businesses advertise in the schools. So what's great about a business like that is they're, they can't advertise in that school, which is where they want access anyways. And you're going to be bringing that product in there, helping them, that business, and that business will be helping you. That's how the community works. And so what you do is you go in there and say, hey, look, could you help with any of these items on this list? Let them choose. Yeah, we'll give you the guitar stands or we can give you one of the guitars. Let them know that, you know, you'll make sure that the parents of the kids and the kids know that you were, you helped. Just like you would say, hey, Mr. Smith down the down the road gave us a guitar and they'd be, thanks. You'd say, hey, Max Music uh, decided to supply the guitar stand. So, you know, thank you. Um, that That is a great way to, to uh, ask them for help. 
that is also another thing is that if you are looking to buy some guitars and you're saying, you know, $200 or less, that's the other thing too. If you have, if you can raise some money, you can also then give that to that business and say, Hey, look, if you help, I will spend all the money I need or I have here, you know, I mean, what can you do to help me? Um, and keep it in mind, a win for the business would be any business would be if they could, if you could buy all the product at cost, but they could get the advertising out of that and help the community. That's a win for everybody. You'll save a lot of money. They'll of course have nothing financially into it, but the time. And then of course, just churning some product. Those are great ways to solicit a business to do that. Um, I would do that first and then go to your community for everything. The businesses won't help with too. Now I'm assuming you have a business there, but don't forget Guitar Center, Arts and Music, they're chains, but you know, you can ask them too. <laughs> you know what I mean? You never, you never know. Sometimes they're given local budgets and sometimes you can reach out to the main corporation. So, but also stuff like that, Guitar Box, you know, you can go to askknowyourgear at gmail.com, which is my email address. You can send me anything. If I can help in any way, I'll help what I can. Um, to be honest with you, I get a lot of these requests and I help as many as I can, but I, on, on a normal basis, I'm more tapped than I have resources at this point. In other words, I always have more people looking for this kind of stuff than I have giving it. Um, and I'm not a nonprofit. So it's like a, it's, you know, it's, I got to delegate my time to, to it too, as well. But if I can help, I will help. And, uh, sometimes I can help just beginning a company, send you some stuff too. Like I said, let, let me know. Same thing though. Don't ask me how, don't generally ask me, go, Hey, could you help send me something? Send me a list. This is what you need. People are very, very easy to understand. Tell them what you need. Let them say yes or no. If you ask general questions, you will get non-specific answers. Can you help? Sure. And then it's forgotten about. So there's my advice for that. Next we have drum bum 73 says loving my Mezo bass. Uh, thanks for the recommendation. Any thoughts on a small 15 watt? Or so head uh, or high high gain uh, going on a very hardly bitten two twelve things. Um, so okay, so you're looking for okay. So I just got confused because I thought you were talking about a bass amp. So obviously you're talking about a guitar amp. Thoughts on a small fifteen watt uh, or so head high gain? Uh, yeah, I mean you know I think it's the the Tremonti amp this is by far that and the um, uh, the EVH are my favorites in that category. You didn't say a budget, so I don't think you can go wrong with the Tremonti amp. Behind me right now is my Archon, which I love, and I've said this many times that I like the Tremonti almost as much as my Archon. I like the Archon, let's say, 10% better, and um, it's double the price, so that tells you a lot right there. Okay, what else do we have? Oh, now it's scrolling fast that I jump screens. There's over 700 of us. We'll go a little extra. Um, Nissan saying five seventy. This helps. It says find where schools suggest to rent their bass and uh, brass and string instruments already generated ready and generating revenue for them. Same thing. Yeah, great, great advice, Nissan. Uh, yes, like I said, find the businesses that work with schools too. Just like I said, what's funny is um, when we used to get requests at the shop all the time for you know, spo uh, sponsorships or, or stuff like that. Our only stipulation was it had to be a music program. So, um, believe it or not, we would, cause you only get a tax deduction if they're an actual legitimate, uh, you know, uh, uh nonprofit, right? There's a form. I, I didn't handle that. My wife handles all that kind of paperwork. So she could probably tell you what paperwork you needed. But the point is we would specifically give to music based programs that didn't have the proper paperwork, which means we didn't actually get to ha to take the right tax relief on that rather than give it to the a program that we thought was, you know, like a school, the soccer team would be like, Hey, would you sponsor our page in the soccer thing? And we're like, no, cause helping soccer didn't help music. We would put that money and time into music, music stores. I think is it's a smart plan. And this is for the music store owners watching this. If schools are reaching out to you to do this kind of stuff, find a way to do it. Even if you can only donate one guitar stand, always be a part of every kind of music making program even if it's and I think sometimes and the reason I'm saying that is because I think sometimes businesses think like, well, I can't really afford to do that. Well, then give them very little. Just give them something. Right. Uh, even even a pack of strings is one pack of strings closer. So 
to do that. Plus, a lot of small music stores may not know this either. Uh, sometimes they don't know they get co-op dollars. You can get companies to help you all the time. I used to do that all the time. Uh, you can get companies. You, I would just tell companies. I would never ask. I would be like, hey, I just gave a guitar and an amp and a cable to this school. Um, and it was your guitar <laughs> and your amp. And uh, so I want a co-op on that, which co-op would mean they would give me like an extra discount on, on reordering that stuff from them. Or sometimes they would send some few things or like they would, they would throw in the case. A lot of times they just gave me a deal on the, on reordering. So I would I would actually get it for less. So if I pay, you know, you get the idea. So, um, Lord JP, is that John Petrucci? Lord JP says, I uh, replaced the tremolo arm bushing on my 86 Ibanez Roadster 2. Now it's jammed halfway into the edge trim. Can't push further or pull it out. Ideas. Um, so you're, yeah, it's, so the, the bushing is that white piece of plastic. It's nylon. I believe it's a nylon plastic. Um, there's two things you can do. You can lubricate it. Obviously, WD-40 will work for that. Uh, but before I would lubricate it, um, sometimes you can heat it up, believe it or not, because the nylon will get warm pretty fast and you can make it malleable uh, warming it up. So, um, and there's a couple different ways to do that. Uh, you can, it depends on, de depends, uh, you don't want to get the guitar finish damage. Sometimes you can use a heat gun and I would just put a heat gun on it and I have a, I have one of those, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not, what is it? It's one of those gloves. This is how dumb I am. <laughs> I don't know what this is. I, I don't want to know what it's called. It's a silicon, silicone. I don't know. I have a glove that it's like one of those things where you can't feel heat, but it's not like a thick mitt. It's like a small glove. And um, so I have that. If you have, so I'm just telling you, you need something because you're going to make this thing hot. I would heat it up with a heat gun uh, and uh, to get it warm and then pull on it. Sometimes that would be, that would do the trick. No problem. So that's what I recommend that otherwise you can use lubricate uh, lubrication um but uh and wd-40 a lot of people have different opinions about that but for me it always worked great because of the fact that i had the tube and i could get in there and that's what it is you you the more lubrication you get around everything the, the harder it's going to be you need to get it into the to where that uh ring is because that's what you're trying to to stop from happening is uh stop the uh the friction of that ring it's too it's too much it's too much friction too much compression uh, Reggie Wooten says, drink on me. Have you looked at, uh, Rubato guitars? R are you Rubato? I'm going to say Rubato. Rubato guitars? Never heard of them, but I'll index it. R-U-B-A-T-O guitars. Uh, Reggie, uh, you know, no one ever told me anything, Reggie. Remember when you asked about doing the kit battle? No one ever said anything. I don't know if you guys remember that. Reggie, uh, kind of, uh, said, hey, he had this idea that he would build a kit, send it to me and we could do a sharp my axe on that. And I said, if you guys said you were interested in it, I would do it. But I literally, not, zero. No one was interested. So um, so maybe we'll just do it without them, Reggie. <laughs> so uh, Jose Benito Martez, uh, Martinez Jr. Boy, I'm going to mess this up. Let's do this again. Jose Benito Martin, Martinez Jr. Because I want to say that right. Uh, just got a Fender Supersonic 100 head. New old stock. Yep, because I haven't made it in like 10 years. I understand that. It's great. Did you prefer the 100 over the 60 watt head? Why did you get rid of it? I never had the 100 head. I just played through the 100 head. The 100 head was amazing. It has that uh, biasing thing in the back where you can bias the amp, amp head uh, low or high. They only made that amp for probably two years. Um, I'm doing off memory, you know, when it came out. I want to say it was like 2010-ish or something like that. It was right before. That head was, you know, that head to me, that that head what rings in my, my memory about the Supersonic 100 head by Fender was, that head was like one of the last metal bands to come out right before grunge. Like it was just the last 100-watt head to come out before everybody just went to the small amps. So that's what killed it. It was it was the best Supersonic. I remember plugging into it thinking it was great. But I remember thinking like, oh, it's heavy and who needs 100 watts? So, um, and, 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 but it was fantastic. Um, and I just remember loving the idea of being able to, because there's a, a control. And so you guys know what I'm talking about on the back of this amp, there was a led control and you could just push a button up and down and, and down would bias the amp low and, and up would bias the amp hot. So you could change the bias on the amp on the fly, uh, just to get it like a sagging kind of sound or a more a harsh, you know, you know, crisper, brighter sound. It was great. So, all right. 
on that note, I think we'll finish it up. That was a good week. We did a lot of questions. I, I had fun talking to you guys. We talked about a lot of gear. Talked about some weird stuff too, but that's okay. We talked about coffee makers. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to let you guys go. Let me double check one last thing before I say goodbye. And the thing I want to say is I have some new patrons. These are patrons that have actually been sponsoring, but they were not updated on the screen because... Uh, they just weren't on there yet. So I want to make sure that the list is correct. Um, James Biles, Lawrence Petros, Rob, Martha. Thank you, Rob. David Foy. Thank you, David. Blake Bean. Thank Blake. Derek Miller. Derek's also new. Gene Graham, Michael Mooney, Alasdar McLeod, Bruce Collins, Andy Dennis, Gary Phillips, Sam Oram, Chief Squatch, Johnny Russell, Muse Guitarist, Bob Crosley, Todd Flowers, Tim Farnsworth. By the way, Todd, thank you again for participating in the show. Uh, Zesty Basil Pizza, Greg Peterson, Dennis Prescott, Craig Parker, Lonnie Hoke, Joseph McCarthy, Anthony Desposito, Brian Stewart, Kermit Jackson, Tim Camacho, Paul Ostreich, Michael Lindner, Jonathan Pickering, Bob Pickwode, Louis and Alvaro, Chris at the Guitar Pick, Jeff Howes, BB Ninja, Zachary Rowe, Justin Mabe, and Jeff Thompson. They sponsor the live show every week, uh, these QAs and uh, these discussions. Thank you guys so much for that. Not only do they sponsor it, but they have been all longtime sponsors. The average sponsor on here has been here since the beginning. This is the 124th episode. They've been here since the beginning. How crazy is that? Uh, I, so I want to thank them for that. Thank you guys for hanging out. And then for those of you guys that hang out at the end, I'll give you a little t uh, fun thing to mention. Uh, this week, we hit 53 million views on the channel and 230,000 subscribers. Feels pretty huge. Uh you know, I know I've said numbers like this before. They always seem pretty huge. This one just seems a little bigger <laughs> number. Uh, that's pretty crazy to think there's that many gear junkies in the world uh, hanging out and doing stuff. So thank you guys so much for that. And I hope you guys have a fantastic well uh, weekend. Uh, Todd, you are welcome as well. Thank you, buddy. And uh, I will talk to you guys soon. As always, thank you so much for your time. And until next time, <laughs> do I say it that way? Know your gear. I don't even know how to end. Oh, end the stream now. I can push the... I'll do it the old way, like I'm doing. There you go. Bye, guys.